welcome to the Eclectic Collection. Today I bring you episode 16, Island Paradise. So it's that time of year where weather is getting better, despite the fact it's pouring as I record this, but that's okay. It's that time of year where people start thinking about going away, especially now and especially this year. And being from the, I'll say, nearby tri-state area outside of Philadelphia burb turf that I grew up in and reside in, it was never a big deal to go to the shore, as everyone always said, although I find it funny when people say the beach, it's probably a Delco thing, but to go to the shore um, was just normal. And Brigantine Island is a little gem seven miles long off the coast of Atlantic City. And my maternal grandfather had built a house back in the 50s there. So I grew up being what they would refer to as a shooby almost every weekend, pretty much my whole life. So I just have an affinity for the island and it's not the necessary hustle bustle or bar scene or boardwalk scene that other shore points draw in New Jersey. And I've never been one for New York stuff or Ocean City, Maryland. New York to me means Broadway and Ocean City, Maryland just means too far away and condos in my world. So, um, and I can't say I really know much about the Delaware beaches. I hear they're clean and nice, but I have some friends that own boats that use them, but I was always Brigantine Island and it's quiet. It's crossed over to almost resort status since it's so quiet and, um, used to be dirt roads and little frogs running around the nastiest insects on the world known as greenheads will eat you. They will literally eat you and carry you away. And if it's low tide, gnats will swarm you like a bad horror movie. Other than that, it's a, it's a quaint place. It's got an old school charm. Unfortunately, they're building like tons of condos there um, or three and four story houses that just don't belong. A standard one floor rancher type off the, uh, the bricks or off cinder block to keep it from flood zone was what I knew. Um, recently, the reason it's on my mind, you know, I'll go down there now and again and stop at the White House in Atlantic City and pick up some awesome uh, hoagies and they have a really good Italian hoagie and Versus Bakery is on the island and there's a yummy little Richmond's that used to be a Dairy Queen and we would go get good bread from them or pick up uh, shrimp bullies and stuff. And the Pirate's Den was down the other end. There's a nice little ice cream shop that's still there and has now expanded into a restaurant. And those things still remain, but long since gone are the days of the lobster pot and the island diner and Chita del Mare, which was a nice little Italian restaurant that we would go eat at. And there were a few piers that you didn't have to be private docks that you could go crabbing or fishing off of. And unfortunately, a lot of the marinas are, are now gone too, or they've been sold privately. So I would go down over time pretty much my whole life. And then somewhere around 1997, we we had a house. Notice I say had. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and we had an empty lot next to it. And it was kind of on one of the main roads in the middle. It was four blocks from the beach, and we were on the high point, so it wasn't a flood zone. And the weird thing about this, I love my little house. I wrote my entire eighth grade yearbook down there, did a lot of writing down there, always liked it. It was always quiet. Um, house didn't have air conditioning, but honestly, it was other than some really dead points in the summer, it was always pretty breezy because, you know, it's an island, so it was a little cooler there, always. And loved the beach, used to love to go and get up in the morning and typical weekend, we'd get like four in the morning, go crabbing at the little mud hole, which was like a turnoff that they've since paved on the way to like Absecon or 
a place like Pleasantville that was close by, not the one with Tobey Maguire, although I did like that movie. But um, we'd do that, come back, go to the beach, come back, Papa make sandwiches, we get ready, and then, you know, clean up. Outside showers a must. And one of the gems that is gone and breaks my heart is the Brigantine Castle. There was this gigantic castle, kind of like horror-themed, but yet like family entertainment, um, on the end of the island. And it was literally a dead end, the end of the island. And it used to have a full pier, and it looked like a castle. It looked like a Transylvanian castle, your stereotypical gothic, uh, not so much pointy, though. It was like a cubed-off castle. And the ironic part is that despite it having kind of a horror theme, and it went all the way out into the pier parallel to the jetty. Lots of rocks out there. You used to be able to walk them, too. Very slippery, but fun. Um, snap, crackle, and pop, as in the serial guys, used to be in character, and they would put them up on the turrets of the castle to open the season and close the season, which I never understood what serial box characters had to do with Dracula's castle, but okay, I'll go with it. There's a big, long boardwalk in and up a ramp, and the first part when you got into it, kind of think of like an L shape to walk in, was a whole series of carnival games on the left-hand side. And it was kind of neat because it was a situation where a kid could kind of pretend to be in a casino. Um, they had like slot machines and poker machines and, you know, it would give you tokens or tickets kind of a thing. No different than a current Dave and Buster's, but back before that was a thing. And you could um, play skee-ball, which of course is a Jersey staple, and, you know, the balloon dart kind of things and grab the little ducky if you're a little kid or uh, little horse race things with the uh, water you kind of shoot the water gun or lots of stuff like that and they have face painting and balloons and there was sand art which was always fun I think I still have two of them in the window as I sit here in my basement office um, very neat um, they had like handwriting analysis tarot card readers a tea leaf person it was always some sort of medium lots of shops of course surf shop a sundry shop and on the other side, because it's a very big, long walk that went out, I would say it went out about probably a quarter of a mile, maybe half a mile. Probably, you know, it, things are different when you're a kid. I, realistically, it was probably a quarter of a mile out into the ocean. And toward the very end of the pier, you know, it was getting shaky. Uh, pylons were gigantic and it was safe, but you wondered sometimes it would creak and you got a good wave or a riptide going and you'd feel a little uh, saucy at the end. But Paralleling the other side was the main attraction, which was an actual set of rooms. Like you went in a corridor that looked very much like the castle with um, different kind of uh, dark lamps. And they'd have torches that they looked like they were lit on fire. But obviously it was just a uh, scrim kind of a situation with, with lighting. But it looked like torches coming out of the wall and very cobwebby and everything and you would get a ticket on that side I do believe you had to be a little older or accompanied by an adult to go in because it was pretty scary and they would get be in character and all sorts of people would walk around sometimes there'd be a Dracula or a mummy or a wolfman or a witch or something like that and they would take um, lines in of x amount of people at a time and it was it was better than a fun house it was a series of rooms so they would turn the lights off and tell you spiders were at your feet and little fuzzy things would like attack you in the first room and then you go in the second room and there would actually be characters chasing you around and grabbing at you which back then wasn't illegal and you know people weren't wimpy then so it was fine and then there was an actual um 
second part behind it like they kept pushing you through that there was scares and there would be noise and then there would be things that actually uh, affected your uh, strobe lights and your eyes and it's all different sensory things so you had you know vision and, and 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 touch and everything and each room was different different themes and it would get darker and darker and they would get louder and louder and, and a lot of people freaked out and would scream and you would always hear the screams coming out and in the end it was sort of to get to the big enchilada was uh, Dracula and there'd coffins and he would come out and do a thing and yeah, it was funny and they would like chase you out um in the end so it was pretty heart pounding and fun for its time um arguably greg nicotero and walking dead has probably done a bigger and better job since whether on screen or the um universal i believe has the attraction now that you can walk through and get attacked by zombies out west i don't think we have it quite yet on the east coast florida but that kind of a thing and uh, it was really neat Unfortunately, after years of this place being around, it ceased to exist. So lightning struck it. I was a kid, and I want to say I was 12. Lightning struck it, and it actually crumbled a section of the middle turret. And I think it also struck one of the pylons in a real bad spot and cracked the wood, and the entire side of the pier started to collapse into the ocean. And it was a really rough point, still is, it's where the ocean meets the bay. So it's it's an extremely rough cross current of tides and it's deep where that would go out. So it happened luckily at the end of the season, I want to say October cuz it would it would be open all summer the whole time. But then September it would still run, October would still run. They went to Halloween for obvious reasons, but closed down a lot of things that got colder and colder. So there were fewer attractions. The stores would stay open and the uh, scary part was the funhouse part was inside. You had to walk outside to get to it, but you could still get inside. And they left that open and they would pull some shades and things down to keep warmth in, but it wasn't 100%. And then after that, they would close and open back up usually a soft open in April and it was a seasonal kind of a thing but it happened in, in late October I think it was right before Halloween so they couldn't do the big deal that they used to close out but they were going to repair it and they did but they didn't really repair it in time for the season I remember thinking it was like July early July but still missed the fourth the following year and it just wasn't quite ready so they fixed the main piece but the part out in the ocean was still looking a little sad. So they makeshifted it together and they kind of opened half of it. And it ran like another year and a half, sort of lamely. And it finally made enough revenue or fixed it or time or whatever that in the next two years, it became 100% again. Well, shortly after that, it just mystically burnt to the ground a couple years later. And no one really knows what happened there. I'll just let your imagination run on that because I don't know either. But it literally burnt to the ground. And I remember thinking, I hope Snap, Crackle, and Pop weren't inside. And neither was Dracula. But pretty sure they're all safe because they're on my cereal box all the time. However, it was really rough. And it was a total crush to me because not being 21 and able to go to the actual casino, uh, it was it was hard. It was a really hard thing because a lot of people went there people came from off the island obviously and it was a big deal and it just broke my heart so i hoped that they would repair it 
no such luck. Not only did they not repair it, it just sat there like a burnt, crispy little ember reminder with some empty pylons and some nasty wood sticking out of the jetty that it was crispy and see ya. So it sat that way for a year and then two and then five. And at this point, there was no hope. And bit by bit, even the embers and the cinders and the nasty wood started to disintegrate and barnacleize and drift away. And probably 10 years, I don't think they touched it, and it just sort of evaporated. There was nothing left but the jetty rocks that were always there and maybe like one rogue pylon to commemorate its ever existing and memorialize it. And then I don't know when, but several years after that, they actually went in with God knows what machinery and pulled out the last pylon or two and cleaned it up and just made sure that everything was out. But it's never been utilized land again. At this point, it's nice, fresh, flat beach. You really shouldn't swim out there. It's not a section that lifeguards are in, but it would um, be a place like you could bring your dog. If you really like to surf at your own risk, you could. Um, you can off-road there, take a Jeep or a 4x4 um, ATV down on that part of the beach. It's not terribly populated other than joggers, walkers, and things like that. Um, and it, you know, it's still there across from the Pirate's Den, which for a little while there was a small arcade that tried to open across from the castle to sort of kind of replace what was there, but that was like a shadow of uh, one piece of the whole castle, so it didn't stay too long. Um very sad and unfortunately most recently when I went down to take a visit and because I'm a stalker I drove by my old house and remember I told you we'd get to that well here's the part where we get to that in 1997 the house was no longer ours because a I want to say in that spring my parents agreed to sell the lot we had a whole empty lot next door. We had a lawn. Actually, it was more like crabgrass. Our neighbor, George, he had a lawn. Actually, nice grass. Ours, no. Ours was disgusting. It was a sand-based crabgrass, nasty-looking pile of weeds that we called a lawn that looked sunburnt and awful at any moment. And it had a million little ant piles in all of it. And these little sticker things, these little pricker stickers, oh my God, they were awful. Although, funny story. My niece is going to kill me, but it's very funny. So I'm telling it. When she was a little kid, I mean, everybody, if you tripped or you had a flip-flops on or something like that, forget it. You were definitely going to get stuck in your foot or it would cling to the, these things would like fine you. If you had any kind of mesh shorts or you had like a, a sweatshirt material, forget it. It was definitely going to find you, cling to you, and you would like go to stick your hand in your pocket or it would, it would jump out and it would bite you. Um, for inanimate things, it was bad. Um, she was a little kid ran outside we had a stone brick bottom and three steps into the main part of the house up on a porch and she ran out she was little i think she was like five had these little yellow jogging pants on classic 80s with a little white strip down the side and a little zip up jacket she ran outside went to go play tripped face planted that was funny enough but no it gets better when she stood up and because it was yellow they were so prominent there was these little sticker things all over her outfit and she just started crying also hysterical and uh, started to come running in the house I'm like no no don't bring them in here the carpet will get them so we literally picked off each one 
Now, recently, we've had a revisitation of that conversation, and she asked, who my niece is now 40, why didn't you just take the jacket off? It would have been less painful. And we kind of thought, hmm, I don't know. I guess because it was more fun to watch you wriggle. But in reality, at the time, I think she actually was more comfortable us picking them off one by one because they had a tendency to poke through. Imagine like a sea urchin, shrink it down to about the size of a pea and put them all over any kind of cloth, if that gives you a visual. So that had happened. Anyway, I digress. Had to tell that story. Um, so after they sold the lot, which was covered in these sticker things, um, I didn't really care because it sat empty still for a while, although it never occurred to me in my at the time coming out of college brain that they were somebody would buy it and use it to build an ugly two-story, three-story, didn't belong there, overshadowing my quaint little rancher house, but it didn't matter because it didn't happen while we were there. And then somewhere around September of that year, um, my sister got a real estate license and my parents lost their minds and they decided that it was a good idea to sell the house. Um, and I'll grant you, it was a lot of upkeep, I'm sure. And I was in college at the time, so I wasn't really thinking about taxes and mowing the lawn and keeping everything going. Cause you know, when you're in college and you pick up the phone and there's a dial tone, doesn't that always happen? But you don't think like that at the time. Um, however, I really wish that they didn't sell it. I was heartbroken that they did. I've never gotten over it. It's just, it's like the house that I dream about, uh, despite the fact that my dad built the one that, you know, we all grew up in. Um, for some reason, it's just my go-to dream house, literally, wasn't any huge thing. My dad had expanded it and built it up to be bigger than it was. But again, it was a rancher and it, was a, it turned out to be a little four-bedroom, two-bath, which was nice. Started out as a three-bedroom, one-bath. Very small, cottagey kind of place. Loved it. So heartbroken when it was gone. And um, in my mind, I would always say, someday I'll buy that house back. Someday I'll buy that house back. And I guess that ideology became more of a reality when my niece had gotten the opportunity to purchase back, and it worked out, I might add, her house that my sister originally moved into, um, that she grew up in, and then they upgraded to a bigger house back in the 90s. And when they sold the original townhouse they were in, several years later, when my niece got out of college and went to go buy a house, she was able to reacquire the townhouse, ironically, from the people that had they had sold it to and got it back for a very fair price. So it was kind of, I guess, serendipity full circle. So in my mind, having watched that work out, I thought, oh, well, hey, someday I'll get that house back. Well, very recently, I went down to you know pick up some good bread and get a stromboli or two and take a ride on the island, walk on the beach. And it was, it was right around spring break. It was April. It was still cold, but you know, it was nice to visit. And I cruised by my stalker self, like I always do in our old house. And there was a huge dumpster sitting outside of the house next door, which was always kind of nasty and gross because our house was normal to the left with this very meticulous neighbor with a beautiful lawn and very nice house. He lived there all year long. And on the right, we had this awful neighbor that was completely psychotic and had evil children. And it looked like 
a scene from Hoarders. There was a fence. It was beaten up and, and broken up. And there was just stuff all over the lawn. And they were just not, they were just careless and disgusting. But anyhow, in front of that house was this big dumpster. So I thought, oh, maybe they finally moved or somebody wanted to improve that house. And I was so focused on that house and fixated on this dumpster, I wasn't paying attention. So I stopped the car where my house would be. And I looked up to see a leveled, empty lot. Nothing remaining of the house. Just the white fence that had surrounded it. The empty lot that was an empty lot back in 97, now with a gigantic three-story eyesore, ugly house that just doesn't fit and is towering above all the other little cottage quaint ones that were there. And then the space that filled our normal house gone nothing not a brick not a stone not a piece of furniture nothing just stones flattened on the ground looked like they were getting ready to pour some more concrete or something for a new base i was crushed and a little piece of me died that day it was just unfathomable to me that anybody would tear down a sturdy solid old house that had a brick foundation had no troubles and had brought so many good times and memories certainly to my family and then obviously on for another couple of decades i guess the moral of the story is you don't know what you got till it's gone although i'm painstakingly aware at the moment however ponder that the next time you think about discarding something you never know if you like today's story, then check us out at eclecticcollectionpodcast.com or follow us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tanaglia. Thanks for listening.